So picture it. There I am. These tentacles flailing all over the place. And all I have to protect myself is a wet flip-flop and... Oh, hello there. <laughs> I didn't see you. You've uh, caught me retelling the tale of time. I, uh... Oh, uh, well, um, yes. That, it, it's not important. Um, just, just forget what I was talking about. As you may have been able to tell, we've been a little quiet the last few weeks. After finishing up Series 2 of Spectre in the Fog, we decided to take a little break. But do not fear, for this has led to a great opportunity. Until Spectre in the Fog is fully back up and running again, every other Monday we will be showcasing some of our favourite fellow Call of Cthulhu podcasters. And uh, speaking of which, I think one of them is just coming up right now. This week, we'll be listening to How We Roll, as Scott, the Keeper of Arcane Law, takes Joe, Owen, Seth and Veronica through their paces in the Call of Cthulhu campaign, Flotsam and Jetsam. You can find How We Roll on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and wherever else you can listen to podcasts. On Twitter, at HWRPodcast, on their website, HowWeRollPodcast.com, and Discord links for which will be in the show notes. Now, please sit back and enjoy. and welcome back to How We Roll. I am incredibly happy tonight to let you know that we are returning with at least part of the group that recorded the Peru chapter of Mass 9 Earthtap and we are playing Chaosium's Flotsam and Jetsam. My name is Joe Trier and tonight I'll be playing Major Edmund Fletcher, a tall, slim, greyish looking man in his latter years. He lost a leg in the First World War so he has a prosthetic. So he walks in a, with a cane. I'm just hung up on the fact that you're saying he's in his latter years and he's ten years younger than I am. I know who's dying first. How old is he? You said 46. <laughs> oh, in my head he was in his 60s. Oh. <laughs> uh, Owen, welcome back to the show. How are you doing tonight and uh, who are you playing? Thanks, Joe. I'm doing very well. I'm playing um, Anthony Marsden who is a journalist with um, an occult magazine. I don't know, what, what do you define the genre as magazine as, Scott? Well, we'll get into that. Occult, yeah, it? we'll get into a little bit about what kind of publication it is you're working for, but let's just say it's a, a lively one. Okay, so he's he's a, a New York boy born in Yonkers, kind of a slight, tall, like slim 22-year-old quite fashionable is often wearing kind of scarves and a sport sports court coat even um, and the reason he's working his magazine he kind of had a spinster aunt that lived with his family growing up and she was the seventh daughter of his grandmother who was a seventh daughter and locally was taught to have unexplained powers and was a matchmaker and kind of all this pseudo mystical kind of mystery around her more than anything else so he's kind of looking into he has a belief that he'd seen stuff that could be explained as coincidence, but a little too often when he was younger, that he wonders, is there something out there? So he's looking to find out. That's me. Amazing. And next up, Seth. Seth, welcome back to the show. Uh, great to have you back. Uh, how are you doing and uh, who are you playing tonight? I'm, I'm doing great. I just, I, this feels like the band's getting back <laughs> together. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be playing with you guys. Um, today I'll be playing... Uh, uh, see if I can get this voice. Uh, Nigel Dharma uh, from St. Charles, Missouri, moved to New York, and I'm a photojournalist. I'm extremely pretty with kind of a uh, long blonde hair. I look like the biggest hipster of the 1920s you ever seen. And uh, my most cherished possession is my Kodak camera, because when I was 15 years old, I saw, a, it's kind of like a Bigfoot, but it's a natural to the Missouri uh 
Conti, a big hairy thing. I, I want to get myself a picture of something like that. Figure I'll get myself real famous. I always uh, smell a lot like cologne because it's covering up all the chemicals I use to, uh, to process all my photos. And I like to roll cigarettes when I'm nervous, which means I'm going to be spending a lot of time just rolling cigarettes for everybody, probably. <laughs> <laughs> your, your character and my character are just like hipster college kids, a scarf wearing blazer calling journalist and a guy with new technology in a camera. I'm already pitching Russell Brand and Elfield. <laughs> <in my camera. laughs> I, I love that the, the, the myth, the, the, the hipsters meet the mythos twist. This might have. So. Uh, who will our oh. listeners root for? And our last player tonight. Welcome back to the show, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, how are you doing and who are you playing? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back. It's so good to be back in the chair with you guys. Uh, I am playing Frida May. She is actually in her <laughs> latter years, uh, 59 years, because that's as old as I wanted to make her without uh, getting additional penalties. So uh, <laughs> she is a diver. So she started out, you know, kind of doing some sideshow circus work. And uh, she really aged out of that. But she is still just darling, beautiful. And uh, she's from Minnesota. So she has a little bit of a twang to her and, you know, uh, is really looking out to be uh, a help to this party and doing whatever I got to do to make a couple bucks to send home to my grandson, Douglas. So uh, it's real good to meet all of you. <laughs> oh, brilliant. that's the voice. Oh, I love man. it. I was going to try a voice. I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> I, I think you're the only one that's prettier than I am. You were like originally a 90 till you got to, to your age. Uh, yeah, I was originally a 90 until my age uh, gave me some gave me some, some sunspots character. and wrinkles. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And our uh, keeper of unknown law tonight again. Thank you so much, uh, Scott, for agreeing <laughs> to take our group through this. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you introduce it. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. I've really been looking forward to gaming with you guys again. And yeah, I, I hope that this will live up to, uh, well, some of the badness of our previous escapades. So this campaign is a little different than what we played before. It's not Pop Cthulhu for a start. It is just straight Call of Cthulhu. And it's... A sort of modular campaign that is part of the Cult of Chaos program. So this is the program that Chaosium do to basically let people run games in uh, gaming shops or conventions to try to bring Call of Cthulhu to new audiences. So this is, it is sort of an introductory scenario. Well, sort of. Yeah, the Flotsam and Jetsam campaign was something that uh, I did the development work for, but I didn't actually write any of the individual scenarios. This opening scenario, The Star Brothers, was written by Brian Cortemanche, who uh, some people may know for having written the Genius Loci scenario in Doors the Darkness, the one set in the Danvers Asylum. And uh, he comes from Massachusetts. He has a great love of the area, and a lot of that feeds into this scenario. So this scenario kicks off in October of 1923. We're in New York City to begin with, and your characters are all working for Strange But True magazine. Sorry, Strange But True. It's got an exclamation mark. You can tell that it's a quality publication because it's got an exclamation <laughs> mark in the title. So Strange But True is sort of, I guess, somewhere between Ripley's Believe It or Not and the National Enquirer. It doesn't necessarily make stories up, but at the same time, you know, it goes out of its way to publish The Weird. It, the editor, uh, publisher, who all of you know, Elijah Cleaver, has got fairly eclectic tastes. He gathers stories from all corners of the globe, some of them off-wire services, some of them researched by his own staff. And yeah, puts out this weekly publication that's got quite a large readership and it covers strange stuff. 
Now, I can sort of understand how both Anthony Marsden and Nigel Darmont have ended up working for Strange But True because obviously you're both journalists of a type. I resent the implication that we're journalists of a type. <laughs> no, I just I just meant that one is a photojournalist as opposed to a journalist journalist. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> I know. But obviously Strange But True employs a wide variety of people to, you know, sometimes in dangerous situations protect the journalists or because they've got special skills in terms of research or have just proved themselves to be useful at gathering this kind of information. So let's start with Major Fletcher. How how has Major Fletcher ended up working for Strange But True? Well, after the war, I resigned my commission and headed off into the great unknown to look for answers. I don't want to go into too much detail right here or right now, but during a nasty, nasty trench battle, something happened that I couldn't and still can't explain. My entire regiment was wiped out, and although I survived, I lost my leg here below the knee. The things I saw don't fit into my understanding of this world or the next, and since then, I have traveled, traveled the globe, searching and documenting strange sights. Somehow, I have ended up in North America, and I have agreed to sell some of my writings to Strange But True. Marvelous. I still love the idea that we know that you're really not that old. <laughs> oh, yes. He's got no slow, croaky voice. He's a really fit 42 year old. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, also, it's also this idea that he is this veteran of the First World War, which you make it sound like was ages ago, which it actually at this stage finished five years back. So pretty much, he, he finished the war. Spent a bit of time at home, got yes. on a boat, went yeah, to America. He travelled travel the world. He was in France. He went to the UK. Made it hit Ireland before he got to New York. That's his travelling the world. Well, selected parts of the world. Highlights. So how about Frida May? How, how has she ended up working for Strange But True? Oh, so, you know, most of my childhood, I spent around in the circus, just, you know, meeting all sorts of different people. And, you know, there's people with just uh, piercings and tattoos and, you know, all of that's very strange. But, you know, there are actually real people out there that uh, have been touched by some kind of outer beings. I'm sure of it, myself being one of them. And, uh, you know... I, I I have a supernatural ability in order to you know go and dive uh, pretty deep underwater, so you know I can I can hold my breath uh, quite longer than just about anybody that I know, and so uh, you know I, I find that to be quite profitable, especially when it comes in to uh, finding old treasures and getting those appraised, and you know I, all the people that I've come to know, I, I know some pretty shady folk out there, but I also know some folk that'll be willing to pay a pretty penny for just about anything that I find. You know that's a that's the life of a former mermaid so you know and this old publication it kind of pays uh, quite a bit for whatever it is that i'm bringing in so uh you know i've got a, a grandchild and a great-grandchild and uh you know the, milk isn't free i gotta send them something I, I i don't know about everyone else but i i, I really want to just pause the scenario at this stage and spend the rest of the evening hearing frida may's life story <laughs> I, I, I want to know everything about this yeah. woman I never pictured mermaids in the Great Lakes when you say mermaids. It's like someone with a Minnesota accent. Oh, yeah, we got them. <laughs> I, I vote that, that that she does all of our talking yeah. for us. <laughs> I want to intimidate someone, and then the Minnesota accent comes out. It doesn't have the same effect as it. Oh, I have a very special set of skills. I can't do a Minnesota accent. <laughs> <laughs> I just sound like a leprechaun when I try to do it. Oh, Bigara. I, I, I just, Veronica, you walked in and you slammed the law down on, on voices today. I just... Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know until I went uh, went and got a drink and I was like, you know, I think we'll do Minnesota for this one. <laughs> well, well, oh, it's perfect. I, I am absolutely perfect. Extremely impressed. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, Seth, you said that 
Nigel uh, is obsessed with trying to find photographs of cryptids. Well, in particular, um, sorry, what did he call it? This variant of Bigfoot? Uh, uh, Tecanti. It's a big hairy creature. Lives in the forest by the uh, Missouri River. And is this what has brought uh, Nigel into the orbit of Strange But True? Is 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 this what he's basically bringing to the magazine? Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. A lot of people don't believe in, in stuff like the Canty. You know, my people thought my grandpa was a little crazy because he told me all about it. But you know, I saw it, and I I, I want to be able to take a picture. But I also want to. I want I want to be famous for that picture. You know, I want I want I want people to know that you know I'm the one that that was the first to capture this on film, mm-hmm. and I want my name to be associated with that. This is this is going to be my big break because uh, you know once you know once I get a good picture with this, I can then move on to like a bigger publication. You know, because they'll take me seriously as a real journalist. <laughs> Fantastic. Ah, uh, and Owen, obviously. Anthony Marsden is a journalist and a fledgling journalist. How, as a journalist or a, a would-be journalist, has he ended up at Strange But True of all places? Uh, so, uh, Anthony wouldn't have had the most traditional route of studying and becoming a journalist. Just as a kid, he would talk to his uh, aunt about legends, how she has uh, all of these talents as they were known in the family of matchmaking and you know she would pray they were a catholic family growing up pray for the child went missing all this kind of stuff and then from there went to libraries and just did his own research and through his own interest and subscription he started working kind of for free for the publication and eventually people just keep leaving the job because it's not very well paid and he basically got handed a pen and paper and was told to go down to Coney Island to basically investigate a ghost in their haunted house, I guess. We'll go to haunted house. Fantastic. Well, the four of you have been called together to go and see Elijah Cleaver about a new story. And do you know it's not unusual for groups of people to be sent off together on some of these stories? There was an incident a couple of years back where Mr. Cleaver sent just a couple of journalists out to investigate some strange church in Providence and the people didn't come back and ever since then he's been a bit flighty about some stories and making sure that the teams he sends out can look after themselves or at least aren't completely unprepared if there's anything potentially weird going on. But yes, it is this late October day, and you arrive at the Strange But True offices. They're in a fairly run-down area in the Bowery in, in New York, and the officers themselves take up an entire floor of what may once have been a textile building. Right, certainly, you know, when you arrive there, it is, as those of you who've worked there before know, a, a hive of activity in the bullpen. There's, you know, people banging away on typewriters and, you know, phoning up to fact-check stories and uh, generally having conversations about very weird things. But you're shown straight through to... Mr. Cleaver's office, his corner office, which is actually fairly modest size. Uh, and when you get there, and it's just after lunch, and he's, he's got the remains of his lunch sitting on a plate just off to one side, and uh, his desk is a, a riot of paperwork. There's you know, great heaped piles of uh, magazines and publications and uh, notes and obviously stories to be edited all over the place. You know, some of which look like they're in grave danger of, of falling over if you look at them too hard. But Cleaver himself beams as the four of you are shown in. He's a man in his mid-fifties. He's got a fairly ruddy complexion, fairly thinning hair, uh, a big bushy walrus moustache. Um, he wears a suit that was probably tailored, but he's put on a bit of weight since then, and it's you know the the, the waistcoat is struggling. But he, he stands up and uh, as the four of you come in and say, ah, good, good, good. Come, come in, come in, come in, come in. Sit down. Uh, ooh, clear that ch- clear that seat off over there. Sit down. 
Okay, I'll clear the chair, chair off, sit down. So, yeah, I, I've got this story, got this story. It's, it's not much to go on at the moment, but I think it could be a good one. It's, uh, how well do any of you know Massachusetts? Uh, I, I was born in Massachusetts. Ah, good, 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 good start. So, yeah, there is this town called Ipswich, uh, on the edge of some salt marshes, and there's been some strange stuff going on up there. In fact, rather than me just telling you, why don't I just show you this, he says. And I'm going to post a link in the chat. So, would one of you like to read that out for the listeners? I know who my vote would be. Yes, I was just resisting. <laughs> Is this a debate? Okay, then. <laughs> All right, then. So uh, here we go. Space Man Needs a Raid Home by Elsie Caldwell, special to the Ipswich Inquirer. Uh, a strange being has been haunting Ipswich recently, causing no little stir. His name is Otis Fry, and he claims to be from another planet. Uh, whenever Star Fry, whenever Star Fry hails from, uh, he's been to a boon to local hardware and to, and electrical supply merchants purchasing all manner of implements for affirms Fry a trip to outer space. Uh, this reporter caught up with Fry as he was leaving Gore's Hardware on Main Street. For a spaceman, Fry looks human enough, far from the modern Adonis. Uh, he claims to be from Neptune and needs equipment to signal his fellow star brothers to retrieve him from Earth. Fry did not loiter long, claiming that government men are following him. Fry claims they wish to steal his technology and study his physique for science. Local merchants aren't complaining as Fry pays for his space supplies with odd gold coins. Says Chester Gore of Gore's Hardware, I don't care if he's from Jupiter or Tahiti. As long as he keeps paying with these gold coins, he can be from wherever he wants. While Fry's claims are outlandish, his lunacy seems contagious as several local citizens have lately reported seeing strange sights, suggesting that Essex County may be hosting a convention of moon men. Uh, what with reports of strange lights flitting all over the salt marshes in the past several nights and odd noises being heard, the place is abuzz with Fry's talk of his long-lost space brothers. Rumor has it at least one individual has seen a moon man late one night, although this reporter suspects it might be moonshine and not moon men behind the report. Ipswich police state they have found no mystery airships landing in our woods and marshes. Several town folk report being approached by men in dark trench coats and fedoras asking for Otis Fry. Perhaps Fry's assertions are correct that G-men are on his tail, although they are more likely interested in Fry's gold coins than his purported origin from the planet Neptune. Should any Ipswich Inquirer subscribers happen to take a trip to Fry with another planet, we would appreciate their getting in touch with this reporter, as it would be quite an exclusive. In all probability, the farthest Mr. Fry will get is a one-way trip to Danvers State Hospital. We wish him Godspeed. It seemed a little biased if you ask me. Yeah, yes, I, I agree. The, the reporting on that is, well, enthusiastic, but it's it's not quite the kind of tone we'd take. But, I mean, this is part of why I wanted to call you, to send you up there to, well, to write our version of the story, because, I mean, however outlandish this looks, there's something going on there, isn't there? There's definitely something happening, and... Uh, I I want to know everything about this. I I want to know who this Otis Fry man is. I, I, what's his story? Uh, is, is there a story? Um, well, and and also these gold coins. I why is he paying for everything with gold coins of all things? Uh, and what's what is he doing with all this hardware he's purchasing? I mean, that's that's just strange, isn't it? And it's not just him. I mean, this story of people seeing mystery lights and moon men, I mean, that's, unless the reporter's just making all that up, I mean, that's, that's evidence that there's something going on. Is, is all that just related to Fry? Is it something else? 
And is the government really involved, or is is she just making that up as well? So, yes, I I, I want you to dig into everything. Um, Major Fletcher has both hands on his walking stick and he leans forward and goes, It is uh, absolutely fascinating. I mean, you've brought some of the salient points forward at first, but those gold coins, I mean, where on earth would he find such things in Innsmouth? Sorry, in uh, Massachusetts. I um, can't imagine such things being uh, being native to the area. Um, no, I'd, I'd, I'd be incredibly interested in uh, exploring this story. Yeah, nothing comes of it. You know, maybe he'll give us a gold coin. That sounds pretty... Uh, 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 well, what I can say is that I'm pretty interested in going. If you want to send me and, uh, you know, space and the deep of, of the ocean are pretty much the same. So, you know, if he's seeing spacemen, maybe he's actually just been underwater and holding his breath a little too long. If I can get myself a good photograph of, 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 of a spaceship, definitely I'm going. Or even better, a photograph of a moon man. Well, the problem is the moon man sounds like it looks like just an average Joe. But, you know, maybe if he's wearing a space helmet and coming out of a spaceship, that's right there. That's front page material. So Anthony's kind of leaning off to the side against the wall, listening to all this. And he's kind of more interested in kind of more occult things as opposed to space. Like he's not totally on board with all the mad, what he sees as madcap stories of sad but true. So he kind of steps forward and goes, uh, do we know the, this Elsie uh, Caldwell, Ipswich Inquirer? Like, have, do they do stuff like this before? Or is this a small town paper trying to get serialized and make a name for themselves? This is just a local paper for Ipswich. I mean, Ipswich isn't a big town, so this is a little paper for a little town. So, yeah, I, I don't think... Well, maybe she's trying to make a name for herself. Maybe she's trying to get the attention of someone outside Ipswich. I mean, it certainly worked because I'm sending you. But, yes, I, I, it might be worth talking to the woman and seeing what it is she's up to. Maybe she does have other motives. So she's not like a well-known occult reporter. I think like she, her name's unfamiliar to Elijah. I can gather from what it, the way he's replied, is it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're asking me, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've never heard of her before. Then again, I'd never heard of Ipswich until a few days ago. I think it might be worth looking her up, see if see if she's done stories like this before, either Ipswich or another town. But well, Maybe you can check the bulk of the paper up there. Uh, how, how long is it going to take us to get to Ipswich? Well, uh, not long. I've, I've taken the liberty of arranging train tickets for you. There's uh, um, a train heading up late this afternoon up to uh, Boston, and then there's a branch line on the the Boston and Maine Railroad that will take you all the way to Ipswich. And probably take you about four or five hours. That sounds good, because I, I really enjoy the sandwiches that they serve in the lunch cart. <laughs> I love this character. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> she still holds them on the Boston the Maine carriage and the best sandwiches in the East Coast. Yeah. but yes that is a good point obviously i shall be covering all your expenses while you're up there uh, including the sandwiches on the train up uh yes any accommodation and meals just keep receipts for those uh you can have a five dollar per day per diem as well and then there'll be a ten dollar a piece bonus for the story once it's submitted does that sound equitable? That sounds very fine to me. I want to try some of these sandwiches that Frida keeps talking about. <laughs> oh, they're real fancy. They're a, they're a chicken salad sandwich, and you know they put raisins in them and, and little chunks of pineapple sometimes, and I just don't know what to do with that. But uh, I've never had such a sweet and delicious sandwich. And sometimes they even put them on a croissant, like from France. <laughs> I have never loved a character more than I love Rita. They've <laughs> <laughs> oh. just described a nightmare sandwich to me as well. Chicken and chicken, chicken and fruit. That's the most horrific thing I've ever heard in a Call of Duty game. But on the croissant. It sounds nightmarish, but I want to try it because she loves it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a job. And so, like, is, is there anything else we need to know? Um... 
I don't know. Is there anything that you think you need to know? Uh, now, have you gotten us a hotel there? We're going to have to find a hotel once we get up to Ipswich. Well, uh, you're going to have to find the hotel, I'm afraid. But uh, from what I've heard, it's quite a small town, so it should be difficult to miss the hotel. Okay. And uh, how how long do you think this, uh, this like, you know, how long are you expecting this to be there? I don't think this is going to be a big story. I would have thought a few days. Okay. Okay. Just want to tell my roommate. So he can ward fight kisses it. <laughs> oh, good, good. So, uh, as as I'm like, I would have grown up kind of to a young teenager, kind of in Boston. With the family moved to New York for work. Would I know anything about the area? Be kind of through folklore, like everyone in America knows stories of Salem growing up. But if you're even in Boston, mm-hmm. is there any like local legends or anything like that? Give me an education role. Ooh, education or history. And they're both the same, uh, actually, yeah. so that's going to make a difference. They're both 60. 66. Don't know much. <laughs> it's a bit early, so we got to chase some luck as well, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Ipswich isn't, as you know, you've just heard, a particularly large town, so it's perhaps not too surprising that you haven't heard of it. Or rather, not not. I mean, you may have heard of it, but not too surprising that you don't really know anything about it. I know where it is in the map, kind of thing, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's an Ipswich in England, and I don't know if it's related to them at all. Oh well, we weren't too creative when we uh, started over here on uh, this side of the Atlantic. We just started naming everything New York, and you know, just taking all the names over because we didn't want to have to think up our own. So got a lot of repeats over here no and obviously as fine a town as Ipswich you wouldn't couldn't go wrong with naming after that uh, I believe they do good sandwiches there as well <laughs> do they oh my gosh so I've heard yeah and good cup of tea as well freedom must be protected at all costs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess we we mosey on out do we well, I yeah, Western. I, I, I said Mosey. I've never seen Mosey in my life. <laughs> Unless any of you have got any questions or anything you want to do before you leave the strange but true offices, yeah, I mean, we can cut to the train journey and the sandwiches on the way up. Uh, on the way out, I'm just going to be looking for a small postcard and um, I'll just send it. Uh, hugs and kisses to Douglas from his grandma and uh, slip that in the post office. And that'll be it. anytime I yeah. see something that looks like a cool site, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, well then, yeah, you you end up catching the train uh, as planned up to Boston and then uh, across to Ipswich. And it is, yeah, um, by the time you arrive, it's probably early evening. Let's say it's about 7pm when the train rolls in. Now, from the landscape that you've passed through just before you arrive, and this is close to the sea, it's not actually on the sea, uh, but there is a river that runs through it. There are some salt marshes nearby, and uh, certainly in the evening light, you can you can just sort of make out the expanse of salt marshes leading over leading over towards the sea. The town itself, when the train arrives, yeah, as you've heard, isn't a particularly big one. Um, yeah, it's it's not a, a one-horse town by any means, but you, know, th- you saw a few factories on the outskirts, and you know, there are a few streets of shops and residences and so on, but it's you know, not a thriving metropolis. What time do you say it was when we, st- when we arrived? It's about 7pm, so at this time of year, yeah, it's, it's getting dark. Well, uh, See, we go ahead and check into a hotel. It's probably a little late to go check out the newspapers yet, but um, I mean, we could drop off the bags and then then go check the marshes for the lights, I guess. Yeah, we could we could do that. Say, you know, thanks to prohibition, there ain't no bars we could go and just ask around. But um, we we go walk around the salt marsh for a bit and see if we can see any lights or swamp people. I mean, honestly, I'd have been sat on that train for uh, four or five hours. Despite the delicious sandwiches and, and fine company, stretching my legs across the salt marsh sounds like a fine idea. Yeah, I had never had pineapple on a sandwich before. That was that was rather intriguing. It's something else, isn't it? 
Did you say stretching my leg, Joe, or legs? I, I actually thought you said leg. I started laughing. You didn't say leg, did you? I was like, man, he's, he's really into his character. But he said, just said one leg. I was like, this is great. This is... Uh, I do I do take my big trunk with me that has my diving suit. So it is really stupidly big and heavy. 30 pounds nice. of cast iron. Takes the hotel or to the salt marsh? <laughs> uh, not to the salt marsh. <laughs> yeah, certainly. You can see that there is a hotel just across the road from the station. It's called the Gray's House Hotel. Um, it's, you know, just a, a large wooden building that I mean, in the twilight, I mean, it might be painted gray. You're not sure, but uh, there's definitely a sign outside saying Gray's House Hotel. Well, I guess we can go ahead and uh, check in there. And um, is there is there is that many people in there? No, I mean, like, they like restaurant or anything like that with people. There is a a small restaurant in the hotel. It looks pretty quiet, and certainly, you know, when you go to the check-in desk, uh, there is a a, a young woman uh, who looks a little surprised to see people turning up at this time of uh, of day, but wanders over uh, and uh, gives you a big smile. Uh, she says, uh, "Welcome to Whipswitch." Oh, thank thank you very much. Um, we're gonna be checking in for a couple days here, and you know, just seeing what it is there see around. Ah, um, sightseers, and she looks really surprised at that. You're not here for business, then? Well, sorry, we are. Um, what's your name, darling? Ah, uh, oh god. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is the first time in ages I have not had I have not had a big list of NPC names already. This is uh, this is a failure. Uh, she's. Uh, we need Helen. to ask everyone's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your family backstory and all their names. <laughs> do, you, do you have any children, Helen? <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it, was it, what, what was it? Is it? It was Helen. Helen, oh Helen, uh, Helen, have you? Uh, I was just just kind of wondering. My name is my name is Nigel. Is uh, there are some reports of kind of some strange lights going on uh, out in the salt marshes uh, and that thing? You know anything about that? Oh, that was that story in the the newspaper last week. Yes, yeah, I I, I haven't seen them myself, but phew, why would I go out to the salt marshes at night? <laughs> well, yeah, it's probably. Probably not the the best thing for a, a nice woman to do that, but uh, well, you know anybody has seen those? Well, no, no. But, but I mean, between you and me, I I, I hear there's bootleggers out there. Oh, you might not want to go wandering around there. Oh, that's a good thing to know. There, I don't want to come across any bootlegger in the dark night at a salt marsh. That sounds like it wouldn't end well. And uh, but but you don't you don't know anybody that might might be familiar with that area that we might be able to talk to. A guide, perhaps. Yeah, like a guide. Uh, 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 I can't think of anyone. I'll tell you what. If ask me again tomorrow, I'll I'll, I'll ask around a few friends and see if anyone knows. But uh, we we, we oh, don't. Oh, Helen, you're such a dear. Thank you. We, we don't get a lot of sightseers here, so it's it's not a question I've ever been asked before. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. And uh, let's just go ahead and we'll check into the, the hotel and blindly wander out and hope we don't come across a bootlegger. I don't know, we can get some alcohol. <laughs> yeah, That's not the I was like, me and the bootlegger sounds yeah. great. <laughs> We're in the podunk town. Getting drunk is the only option. Oh, God. Just getting getting drunk on, on bathtub moonshine and wandering on a salt marsh at night. That cannot possibly go bad. <laughs> no, like, yeah. That's the worst going to happen. And it's they no wonder tight. where the story's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on, I am... Um... And I guess the mage's sort of been stood looking at, I don't know, any paintings or sort of interesting decor? Yeah, well, I, I don't know about interesting decor, but, oh, yeah, there are a few paintings there of, of the landscape. And the landscape around here is a bit bleak. I mean, apart from the salt marshes, I mean, when you go inland a bit, it's, uh, um, it's a bit less, well, obviously marshy, but it's still not exactly striking landscape. 
And he'll unpack his uh, Macintosh and galoshes, and he'll also pull out his um, service revolver and just holster it in his coat. And if, if anyone notices, he'll just say, just in case we encounter any bootleggers. Wouldn't want to be caught flat-footed, as it were. Well, no, I need that, because if they try to take my camera, man, I'm glad you, you got that. Old habits oh, yeah. um, don't, don't really die out, unfortunately. Hopefully it won't need it. I, I mean, are we expecting to be shooting people? Maybe a warning shot across their bow. Oh, in America, you <laughs> should always be expecting to shoot somebody. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. It feels like we're definitely progressing as a country from that. And in 20 years, that'll all be gone. <laughs> this old woman just gives you a... <laughs> <laughs> Go and reform. Any day now. <laughs> I just want a best of quotes track of, 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 of Frida's like, you in America, you always should be ready to shoot somebody. It's like I play that on demand. Just any, any little reason. As she's, as she's writing a, a loving postcard to her grandson again. <laughs> just the most ominous quote. <laughs> <laughs> or just sending that to the grandson. <laughs> Remember grandson Douglas, always ready to shoot someone in America. Lots of love, Grammy. <laughs> Okay, so if it is October and we're near salt marshes, I'm going to go put up my bag and I'm going to come down with my rifle because guess what, y'all? It's duck hunting season. That's why people would be in the marshes anyways. So, you know, perhaps we go under their guise of just wanting to get a duck or two. I wish we had a dog. (laughs) Uh, What? Sorry? (laughs) Well, it's the season for ducks, and you can't. And if you want to hunt a duck, it's got to be at the dusk. That's when they're coming down or going up. So, uh, this is a great time for us to go out and uh, hunt for ducks. This is the greatest character <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> and with the accent, sounds like she wants to get a hunting duck to go hunting ducks as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're they're trader ducks <laughs> yeah. smoking a yeah. cigarette. Like, the bastards are over there. You can shoot them all you want. So if we're gonna go tramping around in the in the uh, salt marshes, I'll have some big gators on and <laughs> have my rifle and just be ready to go. Fantastic! I look like I'm suited up for a trek through the salt marshes. <laughs> I, I, I take off my waistcoat because I want to look a little more rugged. Just have a shirt on and one scarf as opposed to the three I normally have on. Because, like, Anthony's a bo- Oh, Han, you're going to He's freeze. like a bohemian kind of, like, yeah. There's nothing functional about his outfit. And it doesn't even look that good. But he thinks he looks amazing. He's a 22-year-old with no more sense. He's probably actually more functional when he has three scarves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do think, so, permanently, Anthony would... Or, Tony, as he's known to his friends, would go around with it. He just has like a ring bound binder notebook, a small little uh, pocketbook like a cop would have that he'd be writing notes on and he's taking it in. He's So the things he's kind of really focused on is he doesn't really buy into the story, but maybe he can see the G-men looking for the gold being a possible thing. So he's looking for signs of, you know, any government involvement, any cops that are around the place, stuff like that. Just kind of scoping out the area as we're leaving the hotel. And around the salt marshes, obviously. Okay. Well, as you leave the hotel line, it's obviously quite dark by this stage because it's about eight o'clock by the time you've checked in and unpacked and so on. So, yeah, you, I mean, you know which direction the salt marshes are in, um, and there's a bit of moonlight. But by the time you leave the outskirts of the town itself over towards the marsh, I mean, there is a road that leads off into the marsh that you can follow quite easily. But, yeah, by the time you, you get outside the town, it is pretty much pitch dark. Uh, there is some illumination through the clouds overhead, but you, you're you going to have to rely on flashlights really just to have any idea of where you're going what I would like is a group Uh, luck roll so who has got the lowest luck I have 45 luck anyone got less than 45 I rolled really badly on my luck I've only got 45 
I actually haven't rolled. I have sixty. I'm be- I'm between you two. I'm at fifty-five. It's three d six by five, isn't it? That's okay. right. Yep. I never rolled my luck. Sorry, one second. D d d d. Watch as I fail this because I never have the luck in any of my characters. Oh, seventy. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'll take it. Seventy, right? And so it's all down to Joe. Okay. I got a 61 versus 45. That's a fail. Okay. So you walk off down this winding road into the salt marshes. There's obviously vehicle traffic that goes down this road, but it isn't really paved. It's more of an over-glorified dirt track than a road. And as you head down, you can see... Or rather, you could hear from behind you, first of all, the sound of a motor. And in looking back, you can see some headlights moving down the road in your direction. Does this road go anywhere else other than the salt marsh? Like, is it going up to another town, or is are we on, like, a side track? Hey, well, at the moment, oh, you haven't really asked anyone, so you don't know uh, it's not signposted that it's going anywhere else, but it obviously is. Okay, well, uh, I think I'm going to I'm gonna step off the road if there's a car coming, but I want to be very careful because I don't want to, like, go falling into the salt marsh and ruin my camera. Okay. Uh, how about the rest of you? I mean... Part of me says we should duck down and see who they are, but at the same time, we could be wandering anywhere. Maybe chatting to a local, be they helpful and nefarious, may actually be useful. I don't know why we don't just uh, wave him down and talk to him. No, I agree. Is that Frida's plan then? Yeah. So, are both Frida and the Major staying out on the road then, or is it just Frida? I think Tony would definitely step off the road when he sees Nigel step off the road. He's very much a city boy, and he's like, these hicks out here could do God knows what to who knows who, you know? Well, I'm not I'm not hiding. I'm just stepping <clears throat> off the road, so, you know. They don't okay, hit Tony's me. definitely not hiding, but if he's not seen, he'd be quite happy. So he's definitely making himself smaller and standing in the ditch, you know? <laughs> so if someone calls around and says, like, hey, you there, they go, oh, hi, hiding. hello, you know. He's just, he's just trying not to be seen. Yes, exactly. That, you know, it's one of these. And if you get careful, you know, that's the opposite of what you want to do when you're beside our roadway. You want to be seen. Yeah, well, careful. There's a lot of eels, man. You don't want you don't want the eels to eat you. <laughs> There's no eels. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. But, don't give Scott ideas. He can't. He hasn't got names for NPCs. He's got nineteen creatures and kill you in a marsh. <laughs> so Frida and the Major out on the road see this car come around the corner, and it's, it's a fairly big black car. Well, when you think it's black, it's a bit difficult to tell the colour in the moonlight, but it certainly looks black in the moonlight. And you. You can just about make out shapes inside. Are, are you trying to flag it down as it drives towards you? What are you doing? Yeah, I, I think we're trying to flag it down. Like, just a, hey, holler. Certainly make it obvious that we're here so we don't get run over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly as it comes around the corner on, on the straight towards you... You, th- I mean, the headlights are on, and the headlights definitely pick you out. I mean, you can—you know, you're half blinded by them. And then at that stage, I mean, the the car seems to slow down for a moment, and then the engine revs, and you hear the the squeal of tires as it starts to accelerate towards you. So like the idiots trying to run us over. Quick, off the road. Oh, yeah, and I'll just, uh, I'll jump right here behind these two young fellas. Okay. Well, I think then what I'd like is dodge rolls just to 
do this. I, well, I don't think there's much danger of you getting hit. You've got a bit of warning, but just to do this fairly gracefully as you are diving off the road. Okay. I have a hard success. I have a 94 versus 25. Okay. Well, <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. Top of the left out of your prosthetic leg. <laughs> I was about to say, perhaps it is because of the prosthetic leg. But as the major jumps out of the way, he stumbles. Um, and he just barely gets clear of the car and tumbles over, lands heavily in the ditch with a splash. Um, so that means that he's not in a position to see, but the rest of you, if you'd like to make spot hidden rolls, just to pick up anything as the, the car drives past. Regular success. Regular success, though. I have a hard success. Okay. So the two of you who've got regular successes, you can see that there are a number of people in the car. It's not like a single driver. It looks like there's probably four people in there. Uh, what Frida notices is that all of them appear to be wearing hats and, um, yeah, just, just in the bit of light that you see, they, they all look like they're dressed identically in in black coats and hats and they're all wearing glasses and then the car speeds off wearing their sunglasses at night <laughs> a German synth pop band from the 80s past us <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the car was it like a uh, like a fancy car, just like a Model T, or uh, know, no? It, I mean, it looked like a, a fairly expensive, uh, sort of a fairly recent model touring car of some description. Okay, okay. Well, if those were the government workers that are supposed to be on the trench coats and the fedoras, I sure hope they're not using our taxpayer money for such a fancy car. The major sort of drags himself out of the, the at the verge. I mean, is it wet? Is it what's the? Wait, is it just sand? Is that what it's Yeah, I mean, you haven't fallen into one of the saltwater channels, but the, the the patch of reeds that you've fallen into is a bit soggy. Oh, Major, my gosh. Here, let me give you a hand. Oh, no, I'm all right. It's fine. Um, he's, he's clearly not. <laughs> do, you, do you think that was a purpose? Did they see us? What, what were they thinking? I don't know. It's either some rude teenagers uh, skirting around in hats and coats, or it might be those government fellas. What was in the article that Elsie wrote? Either way, it's uh, it's strange. I, I, I think we should follow this road and see if we can find out where they've gone. Yeah. Well, also, a car like that's probably a lot easier to find in a town like Ipswich, you know. Oh, that's a nice point you make there. I mean, you know. It's uh, probably a lot, probably going to be something we can recognize a little bit easier uh, come daylight since you got a fancy car in a little, little town like this. Not too many of those. But uh, if, uh, if Major's all right, I say we keep on going. Find that car, we're going to cut its tires. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were waving down and trying to get their attention. They have to have seen you. Oh, yeah. And if I see them, I'm going to clock them one, too. Driving over the major, a veteran of a war, unbelievable. No, it's fine. I mean, maybe they didn't didn't see us. I, I don't know how they could have missed us. They did you catch a good look at them? Do you see who was driving? Well, they all look the same, and they were all wearing glasses, so I would assume they could see somebody, unless their prescriptions, you know, much expired. Like brothers, or just similar looking. Just dressed alike, you know. You know, in the circus, that was actually a pretty good trick, though, is uh, making yourself look like somebody by just dressing alike. So, could be brothers, maybe cousins. Scott, do I think it was like a uniform, a band of cousin brothers, or <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, difficult to tell? I, what do I, I mean, think? You here? you got some fairly quick impressions in in the dark as a car drove past. So, yeah, I mean. You, you you picked up only the vaguest outline of the details. I'm not sure if it's a uniform. Well, as long as the major's doing good, I say we keep <laughs> keep going. I'm good for a few more miles. Oh, wow, you can really go far on that one leg. That's pretty amazing. 
But Scott, anytime we hit any intersections, I want to see about doing a track roll, see if I can follow that most recent set of tire tracks. Sure. See if we can uh, okay. uh, do that. I mean, there's no turnoffs, don't matter, but whenever we find turnoffs, I do at least want to verify we're going the right way. Right. Where are we heading? Are we heading out to sea? Like towards the, the sea? You're heading in the rough direction of the coast, yeah. Yeah. And so as you continue down the road, I know the, the air is getting colder and there's a bit more of a, a chill in the air. And a couple of times you think just as the wind changes, you can hear the sound of that car's motor or a car off in the distance. And then over towards the sea, or in that direction, all of a sudden you see a... It's not like a, a light or not like... Um, not like someone shining a flashlight or anything like that. There is this coloured ball of light, kind of a, a greenish-blue glowing, that just suddenly shoots up in the air and then heads at speed over your heads and vanishes off towards town. God damn it, I didn't have my camera ready. <laughs> and shall we leave this session there? Yeah, that's a great place to end. Okay, well thank you, thank you everyone for playing and thank you everyone at home for listening to the introduction to our Flotsam and Jetsam playthrough. Um, we'll do a quick sign off so if you want to get hold of me uh, my name is Joe Trier you can find me on Twitter at Joe the GM and also uh, the podcast at HWR Podcast we have a podcast Discord which I highly recommend you check out and uh, we have a Facebook page uh, Reddit page you can contact us directly at howwellpodcast at gmail.com and we also have a Patreon uh, Patreon is the absolute absolute best way of supporting the show not only can you get early access to all episodes at least a week early but you can also find a whole load of content which is only available on Patreon so Call of Cthulhu Scenarios Cult Divinity lost scenarios and some other stuff as well so patreon.com forward slash how we roll podcast um oh and again thank you so much for playing um it was great seeing you again where can people find more of you uh, obviously you can find me here on how we roll or on the how we roll discord guys uh under the how we roll own name i'm also on twitter under the same name own is e-o-g-h-a-n and i do my own thing over on twitch probably three to four days a week depending on work where we mostly play football manager at the moment, but once our new computer comes in, open to Baldur's Gate, Cyberpunk, all the RPG-based stuff. So drop a follow over there and you can catch that in probably a month's time if graphic cards ever exist again. Nice. And, uh, I've checked out some of the... Again, football manager isn't my thing, but some of the other stuff you've done, I've really enjoyed. So yeah, highly worth checking. Football manager is, is professional Excel spreadsheets. That's all it is. <laughs> And uh, again, Seth, thank you so much for joining us again. It's a real pleasure to have you on board. Uh, where can people find more of you? Is there anything you want to um, plug, share, or mention? Well, um, you can you can find my, my YouTube. is I guess my biggest footprint, which is under the highly imaginative name Seth Skorkowski. And um, from there, you can also find all of my, my novels. I am a novelist, uh, which, once again, you search for my name. They're all over Amazon. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at S Skorkowski. Good luck spelling that mouthful. <laughs> and um, that's pretty much it. Nice. Uh, and again, I've, I've read a couple of your books and I highly recommend everyone um, checking them out. Uh, so again, Veronica, again, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, it's a real pleasure tonight. Particularly love your character. <laughs> uh, where can people find more of you? Anything you'd like to share, plug, mention? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. I'm there, uh, political ranting every day, uh, at typical Veronica. And if you want to follow my podcast, uh, we release every Friday St. Paxton podcast, uh, same thing on Twitter and we stream every Sunday night. So never go to church, always come to our Twitch. We are <laughs> twitch.tv slash geekly Inc. every Sunday at eight Eastern that's PM. Amazing. And uh, again, last but by no means least, again, thank you so much, Scott, for putting this together. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to play it. I wanted to play for play through it since I saw it's released. Uh, and where can people find more of you? And I think you'd like to share, plug, mention. Uh, yes, thanks, Joe. Um, if people want to find me, you can find me on Twitter uh, at S Dorwood. And again, like everyone else, good luck spelling that. <laughs> um, 
And uh, <laughs> if you want to find out more about the other things I do, the best place to look is blasphemoustomes.com, which is the home of the Good Friends of Jackson Lies podcast, which is the Call of Cthulhu podcast I do with my good friends Paul Fricker and Matt Sanderson, uh, where we talk about, well, Call of Cthulhu, horror films, weird fiction, and other creepy stuff. So, what did you think? I don't know about you, but I enjoyed this tale from the other side. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the podcasts involved in this mini-project. It's always good to show the love and spread the joy that tabletop role-playing can bring. Please give these magnificent people a follow and let them know we sent you. If you'd be interested in joining in in future collaborations, please drop us a message on Twitter at SpectreFog or on Facebook at SpectrePod. You can also join our Discord, a link for which is on our social media. Intro and outro track for Spectre Showcase is Victoria London from TabletopAudio.com. As always, my friends, stay safe and keep investigating. <laughs> <laughs>